Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. A lot of people just really encouraged, and I guess it's important as a church that we, we kind of dig into the Easter story Friday and Sunday. And a few things we shared about was that when Jesus was going to the Garden of Gethsemane, it spoke about how the Bible speaks about how Jesus went beyond his disciples and how he's called us beyond as his followers, not just uh, to follow our feelings all the time or follow what is culturally accepted, but to go beyond ourselves. And the Spirit allows us to do that. And so we're called beyond. But that, as we are called beyond, Jesus went to the grave, but he rose again, which means he went through the valley and came out the other side. And he rose again. And he was freed. And he didn't just get freed himself from the tomb that was surrounding him, from the sin which trapped him. He, got fr- he freed us as well. Can I get an amen? amen? He freed us. We're set free. And then finally, we are called to finish. It's always too soon to quit. And that was kind of our, our reflection on the cross. And that applies to us as believers because the last I read, it says in the Scriptures that Jesus said, listen, you'll do greater things than I. So, so we don't get a, a kind of a, a get-off free card from what Jesus done because he's, he's already said that, listen, I, this is, I'm your example Yes, you're not called to pay for the, pr- the price of sin for all humanity, but you're called to something. And what you're called to, you're designed to finish it, fulfill it, and live it out, and go through some valleys, see some tombs emptied in your life, because you're going to do greater things as the gospel goes forward. Can I get an amen? It's never a good time to quit. One of the key components and things that has drawn my attention as I've read through the the story of Easter again was that the veil was torn. Some of you maybe don't understand what, why was the veil torn. Well, what the veil represented it was this massive cloth um, which divided uh, the temple, the tabernacle, and basically everyone, uh, the priests were allowed to be in the inner courts of the temple, just the, the kind of living space, you could say, where a lot of ministry went on. But there was the Holy of Holies, which set, was separate. It was a little room And only once a year was the high priest allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. And if anybody else went in, they would die because the presence of God was too strong, too holy for sinful man. And so that veil that was torn, as we read in the Scriptures, was the the big curtain which was the divider. It was the dividing curtain. And that's the veil which was torn. When, when Christ took his last breath, said it was finished, the veil was torn, which meant the access to the holy, holiest part of God was now available to those that received what Jesus done on the cross. Power was released. A greater form of follower was now ignited, was available. That's really why we do encounter nights. That's really why we create spaces for God's presence to come more than maybe we would have the time to do in a morning service because it's available. In God's presence and through His Word, veils of our life break. The presence of God can break into areas of brokenness in your life if you allow Jesus to be your Lord and to be your Savior. At the minute, on a Sunday night, we're doing a freedom course. 
the Bible says when the truth comes along, freedom comes with it. And we're presenting the truth, the Word of God, and we're aligning with truth, but we're also inviting the presence of God through prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. And what's happening is there's veils being torn in people's personal situations that have led dormant for years. Wounds, brokenness, the brokenness that sin brings, God is restoring. He's rising people up again. And that's why we don't want a church that's just laying in a tomb. Can I get an amen? We don't want a church just, just laying in their brokenness and speaking death over every situation. Yes, bad stuff happens. Yes, there are crosses. Yes, there are areas of our life that seem dead. But I'm telling you, the message of Easter is that God wants to redeem the death in your life, the destruction in your life that sin has produced, and use it for His good. This is not on my notes. I don't know where I'm going with this, but it sounds good to me. That is the message of Easter that God says, I don't want a church that looks like a monument. I want a church that looks like a movement. A church that is alive, that the breath of God has breathed back into dead bones and brought life. A church where people, yes, they do go through hardships. Yes, sin does have a price, but it's paid in full. And yes, that person did betray me. And yes, that person did reject me. But because of the cross and the truth that it brings, I can rise again. I can stand again. I'm a wounded healer. Come on, that's what a counselor is. I've heard that so many times. Right, Julie? A counselor is, hey, I've been wounded. I've broke free. Let me help you break free too. The cross is a message of empowerment to the brokenhearted. The Bible actually says God is near to those that are broken. Why? Because we realize our need for God. Let's be honest. We spoke about this on Friday. So many of us, and I've been there, and sometimes I can get back there where you just go to church. You're around, from a human perspective, good people. And you start to forget the holiness of God. You forget how perfect God is. You forget what that holy of holies represented and what that veil that was torn done. And before you know it, you think, I'm, I'm a good person. And listen, I agree with you if you're comparing yourself maybe to other people who are worse, who are murdering people, who are doing all kinds of extreme levels of sin. But when you compare yourself to perfection, to a perfect Savior, to holiness, all of us have falling, fallen short. All of us, if we're honest, have missed the mark. We're not good enough when it comes to us and God. We all would agree that we've all lied. We've all looked at people through the eyes of maybe adultery or lust. We've all maybe stolen a pen from church. <laughs> so we're robbers. You see, when we talk about holiness, we're talking about perfection. It seems extreme because it is. We can't relate because it's beyond us. But it's also the reason that we die. It's also the reason that our, that our life on earth comes to an end. It's also a reason to why we cease to exist in, in physical body form because we're not perfect. But thank Jesus that he came because he knew that eternity was on our minds. He knew that heaven was on our hearts. He knew that when we would go to funerals, they would never feel right. Anyone been there? You're like, this just doesn't seem right. It's, I can't believe they're gone. I feel like life should be more than this. It should last longer than this. Why? Because eternity is written on our hearts. 
There's, there's something imprinted in us that we just know there's more to life than just this sinful state that we find ourselves in. There's more to life than just existing, trying to gather up possessions, trying to gather up riches, trying to gather up reputation from people that probably don't even like us anyhow, trying to impress people that we don't even know. You know, what is life? Well, the cross makes sense of it all. The veil was torn. Now let me get to my message. I promise it's going to be short. There's bouncy castles out there ready to be bounced on. Matthew 28, and this is the part of the scripture that kind of stood out to me. It says, after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, you understand that that's why we're called Aria Church, Resurrection Life. The number eight is, is the first day of the next week. When seven is complete, eight kicks in. It's the, it's the numerology in the Bible for new life found in Christ. When de- dead things and, and, and life comes to dead ends and hopelessness, then that's when God kicks in. Our ceiling is God's platform. And so what is the point? The point is we want to be a church that prophesies and speaks hope into people's lives right where they're at, right on the silent Saturday, right in the tomb. And we call them out, those dead bones, back to life. Maybe that's where you're at right now. There's a hopelessness in your life, there's a place where it feels like there's no hope that's dead. Or you keep trying and, and you're spinning the wheels and you're getting nowhere. Well, well, there's good news for you today. When you surrender to Christ, there's a way forward. There's resurrection power. But, but watch, now, watch what Jesus had to do first. He had to submit to the process. He had to say yes, even when it hurt. He had to go beyond his feelings, his anxiety, his emotions, and still say yes. That's where a lot of us divert. That's where a lot of us give up. That's where a lot of us, that's why we do, a lot of the times we don't need God to get through life because when the valley comes, we run. But the problem is the valley's still there. And if you want to get to the other side, you've got to go through. And so it goes on to say, first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. There was a, a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. I, I kind of find that interesting. Just sat. Is he just relaxing? Just did he fold his legs? You know, just sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing, his clothes were white as snow. The, the guards were so afraid of him, and they shook and became like dead men. They froze. The angel said to the woman, the two Marys, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's not here. You know, when I heard that and I read that as I was studying, it made me think about, you know, I was growing up, some of you maybe, I don't know where you were brought up, maybe in the countryside or in a a park with a bunch of houses around you, but I was in a park with a bunch of houses around you. Uh, and, you know, so there was limitation around what you could do, where you could go. There was literally one wall that I loved just to kick the ball against it, and that was my life. That was a good, that was a good day out. You know, get the ball, smack it against the wall about a thousand times, and then go to bed. And so, but, but it, when I explored a little bit, sometimes I would go and wrap the door of a friend's house that, you know, I didn't have many options for friends um, because there was only about three lads my age. So, you know, there was one of them I, I kind of got on better with, so I had to make do. Didn't know there was anything else. So um, I would go and knock his door. Hey, 
is, what would we call him? I don't want to give you his real name. <laughs> it's James. It's James coming out. And consistently, James was there because he's like, mate, there's nowhere else to go. Come back from school, get your homework done. Stay within the confines of the park. Uh, and yeah, James is here. Come on out. <laughs> Let's go. Kick, do you want to kick the ball with me? Bit of curbsy. Remember curbsy? Got to get it on the curbsy champion here, 2001. 2022 didn't work out for me, but um, 2001. <laughs> but there was a day came where one of the friends that I would always ask to come out, knock the door, it's James there. There's a day came where James isn't here. What? He's not here. Well, where is he? <laughs> like, is he in the garden? Is he in the garage? He's got to be somewhere. He's away. James has passed his driving test. What? I'm not good with change here. James is away. He's gone. He's expanded. He's went outside the park. Some of you are worried because, like, Phil, that means you were about 16 and you were still doing this. Say, <laughs> like, Phil, cotton wool, wrapped in cotton wool, Phil, eh? James had gone. Not just outside the park, down the street to different towns, to different villages. He might even went to the city at one point. He was not there. It made me think about how, just like the Old Testament, the people of God were limited, just a certain group. It was a maintenance process as they were laying down animals to sacrifice for the atonement of their sin, but it wasn't the full story. It was a limited version of what God wanted to do with humanity. It wasn't the full story. Right now, we live now in the new covenant because of what Jesus done. Why? Because he's not there. He's promoted us to not stay stuck within the refines of, of our, our limitations the refines of death, the refines of just a, a life which is just live the life for this life and that's it. He said, no, I've got eternal life. I've broke the barrier. I'm no longer living in that state and neither do you and neither do we. Maybe you're in, in, in a practical way. Maybe you find yourself in a broken scenario, relationship, mindset. That's why we have the freedom course and we're thinking through, through the confines of a tomb. You know, what is a tomb? A tomb is literally just a space which is confined, limited, stuck. There's no movement. But when, when the veil was torn, the Holy Spirit came. You know what happened? Those stone structures broke free. You see those structures outside of old buildings of monuments of people of the past, things which had been the way it used to be. You might even go to a football club and see some of the old legends. Looking back to how good it was back then. But when Jesus came, he wasn't saying, hey, let's look back then. Let's, let's keep looking at an old tomb. He was saying, hey, the tomb is a part of the process, but we're not staying. Maybe you've, you've found that situation in your life where someone betrayed, hurt, broke, caused all kinds of inconvenience. 
And God would say to you, listen, that is a tomb. It did happen. But I haven't called you to stay in the tomb. I haven't called you to stuck or to become a monument of the past, of the good old days, to look back with rose-tinted glasses. I've called you to use the tomb as a platform for freedom, not just for yourselves, but for others. What did Jesus do? He says, I'm leaving you disciples. Go forth, spread the word, and help other people understand that there's a resurrection of the dead. He's not here. You might say he was, but then Jesus would say he has. It said Jesus who was crucified goes on to say he is not here, he has. He was, he has. This side say he was, he was, he has. He was, he has. This side's definitely better. He was. I want you to say it like you actually mean it. He was. He has. He was here, but he has gone. He was dead. He has come to life. He was bound by sin. He's, he has now been freed. He was breathless. He has now overcome. He has risen. So can you. He has risen. So can you. See, what the message I got when I went to my friend's house was like, he's not here. He was here. <laughs> he has gone. But then, as I got speaking to his parents, their message for me was like, Phil, you're not of age yet, but, but you can too. You can get a license too. You can get out of the tomb too. And I love what they went on to say after, after what happened at the tomb and Mary, the two Marys, the angel went on to say to them, hey, move, go quickly. Go quickly. Don't hang about. Don't mess with death. Don't mess with sin. Change your mind quickly and go forth. Because if this is true, you're free to explore. You're free and released to use what God has put on the inside of you. You're not just limited and confined to a little park. You're not just confined to Jerusalem. You're not just confined to a cave. You're not just confined to the generations before you. You're not just confined because your dad done it that way or your mother done it that way or they had problems, so you have to have problems. You're not just confined to the ways of old. Only because someone in your, your lineage, your generational lineage had a problem doesn't mean you have to, but you have to decide that you can rise too. You have to decide to believe the truth of the Bible over the truth of your past. Why? He is raised, so can you. That's what freedom is all about. But why are we freed? We're freed for purpose. Go quickly, why? Go tell people what has happened, why? Because it's going to free them too. Tell, your, tell the next generation how you've been freed because it's going to free them too. Get involved in youth. And tell them about your testimony. 
Enter the process. Endure with them. Speak life over them, not death. Don't speak about the past or what could have been. Speak through the Spirit of God. That's one thing we're learning in the Freedom Course is the difference between someone who speaks from the Spirit and someone who speaks from the flesh. One is speaking death. One is speaking life. What are you saying to yourself? Is it putting you back in a tomb? I'm not good enough. How could I do? How could I amount to anything? I've, I've, I've messed up so much in my life. How could God use me? That's not resurrection power. That's not resurrection language. That's not what God would want you to speak. Because he paid for it. And when, you pay for, when he paid for it, he gives you the license to drive. To drive your life forward. To go into new territory that you've never been in. To go down the town, into villages. To meet new people. There's loads of hope. Yes, some people of old might have let you down, but there's more people ahead. And ultimately, he dealt with your eternal salvation, atonement for sin. You're not perfect, but through Christ you are. And it allows you to start to speak. I challenge some of you to start doing this, and it's going to feel completely unnatural. And I had to do this a few years back, and it felt unnatural. But I started to wake up every day and started to pray this prayer. God, thank you that I am the righteousness I'm the goodness. I'm the perfection of God because of what Jesus done. And you know what happens? My flesh cries out, oh, no, you're not. Who are you? Don't be, how can you say that? There's a fight in my soul because my soul wants to believe I'm not worthy, that Christ wouldn't have died for me or anyone of that matter, that I don't really have that much hope it's all dependent on my performance. I don't have a right to walk out of the grave and the graves of generations because who am I to do that and I don't have the power. Well, in one way I'm right, I don't. But that's the power of the cross and that's why he rose and that's why he conquered death and that's why he conquered, conquered language of death too. And so if we align with the language of life, resurrection language, then what starts to happen is our soul starts to perk up. But you have to move quickly. You don't play, what's the Bible say about sin? You flee from it. Run from it. You don't play games with it. It's black and white. And when you begin to do that, your mind becomes renewed. You start to not just speak hope, you start to feel hope. But you've got to speak it first while it feels unnatural. And so every morning I would start to say, God, I thank you today. I'm the righteousness of God because of what Jesus done. It's not because of anything I've done. It's not because of my works. It's not because of my performance. It's not because of how many, many times I've been to church. It's not because of how many times I've prayed. It's not because of how many times I've even obeyed your Holy Spirit. It's because of what Jesus done on the cross. I rise again. You know what starts to happen? I start to think differently. And as I start to think differently, I start to feel differently, and I start to feel differently, I start to, to act differently. Because I'm not walking around wounded any longer. I'm not walking around bitter any longer. I'm not walking around mad at the past. I'm that person who's got me, who's living in my head rent free, because I've set them free because Christ set me free. 
I have freely received, so I freely give forgiveness to others. No longer do I look through the filter of a man. I start to look through the filter of the cross. As I look through the cross, I look at people differently. When people hurt me, I start to think, I wonder what hurt them. I wonder why they're so mad. Because I don't need their love because I've got love. Now I'm starting to think not about how they're hurting me because they're not, because I'm fulfilled, I'm complete, I've received the truth. Now I'm starting to think beyond. I'm going beyond like Jesus went beyond. I'm starting to think, why are they so mad? Why are they so angry? Or even at times, why am I so angry? Let's get to the root. Let's get, re- get realigned with truth again. And this, remember the cross. of Jesus died, resurrected, and the tomb is empty. So he's not here. As we look to our past, as we look to the death of the cross, as we look to the tomb, biblically, but also in our own lives, Jesus would say, there's no life in trying to do it yourself. There's no life living for yourself. It comes to an end. You can gather up all kinds of materials, possessions, build your own tomb but there's no life in it but he says there is life in me he says I am the resurrection and the life I can give you a hope that goes beyond this earth that when you sit at a funeral it starts to make sense that God has designed us for more, for eternity. But the problem is that, that there is a wrath of God that needs dealt with, and that's why Jesus came. There's a perfection that God requires, and the holiness of heaven requires that we can never fulfill on our own accord, and we needed the atonement for our sins. And without it, we get death. We get destruction. There is no hope beyond the grave. And that should make you a little scared if you've not put your trust in Jesus. And so right now, I'd love to just give some people a chance to receive the atonement for their sin. That they would come out of the tomb. Not just when they die, but right now. And that their life with Jesus and with God would begin now. hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.